and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. And I'm Dave Cohen. And this is episode 157, which is very exciting. And uh, it is 2021, and we're thinking that this year can't go much much worse than the last one. Although, frankly, I had a pretty good 2020. Yep, uh, I'm, I'm afraid to admit that I did too, and uh, so here we are, 2021, Happy New Year. Uh, I, yeah. I did a quick check with um, Sitcom uh, Geek's uh, Twitter site. I asked, um, we, we, this, this was about eight, uh, we're about eight days into uh, the year now, uh, we're pre-recording this, but I asked if anybody how New Year's resolutions were going uh, seven days in, and I had a couple of replies, TEDx123 said, uh, I said I'd write every Every day, and of course, I've not managed it. Sigh. So uh, uh, there, there you go. Well, don't don't beat yourself up about it. Um, it happens. Some days we write, some days we don't. Nick Ransom, uh, catching up on my podcast listening, um, and then listening to new episodes weekly. No, I failed at that. Uh, well, not to worry because we're fortnightly, so um, you have no excuse <laughs> with us. And uh, and then finally, we've got um, James McCann. James said, I decided to ease my diet a little when the paramedics arrived on Sunday morning. Catastrophically low blood sugar. So uh, very good reason there for oh, wow. uh, breaking uh, yeah. New Year's resolutions. So, yes. um, so Well, hopefully you won't need to seek medical advice for what we're about to say in this episode. <laughs> um, but maybe you will. Uh, who knows? Yeah. How about, but before how, we sort of talk about kind of writer habits and because although you know the headline is 2020 was just all over the place so even if you had a plan the plan had to change 2021 is all is going to be all over the place again the uk is in another lockdown maybe it'll last till easter we don't know um so nobody knows what's going on but you never really had control in the first place the only thing that you have control over is the stuff that you write and your own skills so I think we're particularly interested in this episode about about getting a bit of a writing discipline going and how to become a better writer. Um, and uh, Dave's also got a, a, a new uh, booklet book out, uh, which we'll talk about, which speaks into this as well. But before we do all that, uh, we have some breaking breaking sitcom news. Uh, what, what do you have we for do. us, Dave? Well, first of all, uh, I'd like to congratulate um, a number of uh, listeners Um and I congratulate you, James, as well, because uh, um, just before we uh, came uh, to record this, there was an announcement from uh, a thing I'd not heard of before, actually, the BBC uh, Audio Awards. Um, and the nominations for the best comedies have come through. And uh, there's about five or six shows, but two of the shows that have been nominated are uh, Newsjack and The Skewer. So uh, I know that a number of you who listen to the show have written for those shows. Uh, and so if you've written anything in the last um, six months or so for Newsjack or The Skewer, uh, congratulations. You are potentially, uh, well, you're certainly an award-nominated uh, comedy writer now, and you may be an award winner. Um, but also, one of the other shows that's been nominated was... Uh, the latest series of Milton Jones. So, James, congratulations to you. You too are a, a nominated uh, audio BBC audio writer. That's very good to know. Thank you very much. I, I did just see that on Twitter uh, just before we started, and I'm just thinking, 
Has John Finnamore been nominated? Because if he has, then he's obviously going to win. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so we're all gonna we're all gonna lose to John at some point. So, um, but it's nice to be nominated. Yes, um, well, it, it feels like winning just to be nominated. Well, actually, John, uh, the the one time that um, John was nominated and didn't win uh, for the Writers Guild Radio Awards uh, yeah. was uh, when uh, Sarah Kendall's show was on, which was just mm. uh, such a, an, an amazing and new and different. Uh, uh, show, yeah. and I, I also think, um, w- without second guessing this particular set of awards, I think that the skewer uh, will be um, the next show that people will say, "Well, we can't not make this win because it is just so yeah. it is just so unlike anything that's been before." Oh, and it's funny as well. Um, so, mm. so I think it, you know, it, it's already it's already won as far as I'm concerned on the, on yeah. that basis alone. I think. So there is one more piece of news, Dave. What have you got for us? Yeah, just to let you know that I'm currently running a, a series of um, uh, e- emails that are, are free, topical uh, emails about how to write uh, topical comedy. And uh, if you go to um, funnyup02 at gmail.com and uh, sign up there, and I'll send you the ones that have already gone out. And uh, hoping over this weekend that's actually coming to uh, come up with some topical jokes. I'm going to send links... Uh, ideas for what stories uh, you should be considering maybe to try and write some jokes for and uh, you'll be sending me some jokes and we'll talk about the ones uh, that work and the ones that didn't and why they work and why they don't work so that's just a little thing that I'm running now Um, so uh, free free emails until through till the end of next week that's a really good thing to do topical jokes really are a way into writing especially if you have no interest in recording your own stuff making your own stuff and you want to make it as a writer and there's always going to be a need and an appetite for topical comedy so that is well worth doing in fact i mean changing the subject well sticking with this subject i watched the um the 30 years of have i got news for you episode um and was just reminded of just quite what an amazing show it was, and to some extent still is, like many people, I sort of don't really watch it anymore. But one of the high points of my comedy life in terms of watching TV is is Paul Merton next to a tub of lard answering <laughs> questions in German yeah. or something. And yeah. he's just like, it's just, it was just an amazing moment of comedy, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And uh, I mean, I, I, I was... Um honoured to be uh, writing on that show for about uh, 25 series so just over over 12 years and I was uh, yeah I, I kind of um, I, I, I came in just at the uh, fag end of uh, Angus so I was I was there and all the really exciting uh, times and then it all kind of seemed to set, settle down and it was like oh what was the big deal but I, I, I do think uh, when Angus went that obviously it completely changed uh, the dynamic of the show uh and plus the fact that it had been going for so long that i think you know paul instead of being consistently brilliant you know seven or eight shows out of nine paul sort of he he sort of he's consistently brilliant he went down to maybe six or seven shows out of nine and then um so people kind of occasionally watch it and and they think oh it's not as funny as it used to be but um i i do still think it has the power to uh to 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 shock people yeah yeah definitely and i think uh although ironically um as they said in this documentary which is well worth a look if you haven't seen it it'll be with it'll be hanging around on iplayer for a bit i would have thought i thought they dealt with the angus departure really well 
and you know they really didn't shy away from it mm. but i thought um what was interesting was the point that essentially the show probably would have stopped by now if he hadn't left because yeah. it probably would have gone stale quite a few years ago and actually the guest host every week has kind of been a new lease of life so essentially the guest host is just a guest and every week it's kind of always variations on a theme so ironically he did everybody a favor but i suspect he doesn't feel particularly good about it but ultimately yeah. when when christine hamilton takes the moral high ground on you um on a satirical comedy show then it really is time to to get out of there isn't it that that was the moment and uh, mm. and in fact i think i was at that recording uh yeah and and yeah it was definitely the the, the, the kind of uh, you you felt the you felt it go around the uh, the, the green yeah. room that I was in at the time, and you could sort of fit, feel it in the audience. There was this this moment where, you know, yeah, the, the possibly the most kind of uh, the, the sort of morally questionable pol political double act of the last fifty years. Yeah. You know, the Hamilton uh, family, you know, is more kind of morally correct than, than Angus. You sort of thought, mm, yeah, that's that's yes. the moment when she said, yeah. "At least I'm faithful um, to my husband." You were just like. Wow. Well, yeah, that is true. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, no, that was a bit of a, that was quite a moment. Yeah. And she, funnily enough, I've only ever been to one recording of I Got News For You. And it was the first time that Boris Johnson was guest hosting. Right. And um, so they talked a little bit about, they, they kind of refuted the allegation that they are the ones who essentially made him prime ministerial, you know, uh, a candidate for that. So, um, but yeah. That, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Topical comedy, though, has a real power to it. And in a way, it's it's very disposable, which is why I think people sometimes don't, uh, you know, don't really want to do it. And yeah. also it requires quite a lot of reading and thinking. But, um, but it is really good. It's a really good exercise yeah. for writing because in a way, all writing is extremely wasteful. Yeah. Um, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's a discipline. Well, I, I think, I mean, the main thing that I try when I teach about uh, topical comedy I mean there's only so much you can say about how do you write a topical joke and uh, but the, the, the thing you have to learn over and over and the thing you have to remember over and over is uh, is is rejection and waste and even yeah. when you're working you know as I was for many years on a show like have I got news for you and you spent sit eight hours in an office you know sitting there sweating away with two other writers coming up with uh hundreds you know narrowing down to sort of 64 jokes that you have to come up with on the day that that's yeah. um you know and you work and you work and you hone them and you hone them and, and the, of those 64 jokes maybe half a dozen will actually uh feature at the end of the uh, recording and so you know you've you've kind of sat in a room and, and on a good day you have come up with two jokes that are going to be used on that show and um you know it yeah. is um the 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 problem with topical the main thing with topical comedy is you get rejected everything you write gets rejected but you have to come back the following week and you know what boris johnson is still an idiot and nothing has changed you've but you have got to find a new way of saying oh and how is boris johnson an idiot this week how is it yeah. different from last week when i wrote 10 jokes about being him, him being an idiot mm. and none of them got used oh i've got to find another 10 new ways of saying Boris Johnson's an idiot and maybe yeah. one of them will get used. So it is that, it really is 
you know, kind of pure the re- rejection in its purest form, you know, and it, and it yeah. is so, there's nothing worse than if you're writing for something like Newsjack and you put all your heart and soul in it and they've written to you and they've said, oh, uh, you've got a joke in the script. And then they write to you the next day and say, oh, sorry, you didn't make the cut. The show goes out on Thursday. Your name's not on it. But then on Friday morning, you've just got to go straight back into hey, those hey, news stories. it's showtime. Yeah. Back we go again with the comedy. So that is the hardest part, I would yeah. say, of topical comedy. A minute ago, and I think we're going to have to call the episode this, you just said the words rejection and waste. And I just <laughs> thought, great. That's such a good way of putting things. And actually, I think it would be... I think it's worth just saying, though, that... Your strike rate as a successful writer who's actually working for Have I Got News For You is still really low. We've mentioned this before with reference to Gary Delaney and his stuff. But just bearing in mind that there are four, five, six people writing lots and lots of jokes uh, for one-liners and that kind of stuff for the chairman's script. How, how How many of those are actually broadcast? Maybe 15 or 20? Maybe 30 or 40 are being done in front of the audience. But you... You know, you are coming up with, in your head, 200. Yeah. You actually wrote, write down 100. You you whittle those down to 60. You show them to a producer who picks 10. Yeah. And then yeah. five make it into the long script. Three make it into the short script. And maybe two go out. That's a good day. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's it is just it, it's it's also for a show like that. It's a kind of insurance policy. But I, th- I think it's worth uh, sticking with this because this is actually it, it sounds like, oh, God, that's just totally brutal. But actually uh, something that we both really want to talk a little bit more about now, which is about the whole kind of process of writing. It's probably mm. a, not a dissimilar uh, 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 percentage in terms of when you think about. Um, say a sitcom script that you've written that gets so far and then nothing happens so you probably spent I don't know six months to a year getting a sitcom getting a pilot made and you've probably written hours and hours and hours of material rewrites and drafts and then it doesn't get made and that's it and I think this is one of the things that um, I, I, you, you mentioned earlier I've got this uh, book out it's called um, if I only had the time if only I had the time and it's about so it's about uh, this gift that we were were given in March by the universe, which was also obviously it's been a, a it's been a terrible thing in a lot of ways. But a lot of people uh, suddenly found themselves not working and actually being paid to sit at home doing nothing. And a lot of people mm-hmm. thought, ah, I've always said I really want to be a writer, but I've never had the time. And the universe sort of came back and said, okay. You've got the time now. Yeah, so, I'm calling you yeah. on it. <laughs> get go, off you go get on writing. Then. And, you know, one of the things that I, I, I sort of point out in this book uh, is that, you know, it is that you might think, uh, you know, you, you, you put all your sort of soul and your effort into this kind of one script that you've got a great, great feeling for. But very strong chance that that thing won't get made. And so you have to kind of acknowledge that this whole mountain of rejection and waste um is actually um you know yeah. is as much a part of the process as actually sitting down and writing which is the thing you talk, yeah. said right at the beginning yeah i mean i think and just to reflect you know it sounds like we're both plugging our stuff but i've just <laughs> um 
release this we writing are. your sitcom course. <laughs> and we are, we've got our own podcast, I mean, for goodness <laughs> sake. But also, it's, you know, these are the things that we're learning and we're learning about what we need to be explaining. And there's lots of stuff that we do instinctively that actually you realise that people don't realise that you're meant to be doing it. The way you were describing, you know, writing uh, for Have I Got News For You, for example, the difference between success and failure, actually, cosmetically, it looks very similar. You know, sweating all week to get on three jokes and sweating all week to get on one joke or zero jokes, it's the same amount of work. The dividend seems so low. And yet that's kind of still what you're working with. And when you were describing people writing sitcoms and writing hours and hours and hours of stuff, um, I have a worry that people don't actually do that. And the reason that they don't do that is because they get very fixed on an idea for a story. They get very fixed on an idea for an event in the story or they get very fixed on some jokes and they sort of shoehorn everything into the script. And actually the wastefulness when it comes to sitcom for me, and we've talked about this on the show before, but I've really embedded it into the writing your sitcom course is the wastefulness of just coming up with an absolute ton of ideas so that you're not just trying to make a story work in your show. You're picking the ideal story that demonstrates what your show is, who your characters are, how the relationships work and what the show is ultimately about and what you can do as a writer. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes you might think of a situation, you might think of a character and then you think, well, what would actually happen in the episode? And then actually you should spend a lot longer on deciding what they should do in the episode than you might otherwise do. And that always seems very, very wasteful. Um, and you're rejecting an awful lot of good ideas in order to find the best idea. But I think ultimately that is what you have to do. And the, and the sooner you can get used to that rejection and wastefulness <laughs> that we're yeah. calling this episode now, yeah. um, then I, I think I think the better. So, um, so what we'll just do now is we'll just kind of work through a few things. So the stuff that I've been writing about on my blog, um, I've, I've started blogging again, partly to you know talk about the course and obviously push people towards that. Um, but actually, I've really been enjoying writing again about writing, uh, which is an odd thing to enjoy writing about. Um, but I've got sort of seven ways of becoming a better writer uh, in, in the coming year. And, and Dave's got lots of things from this book that you might that you should want to get hold of, um, which he'll tell you the details of uh, again uh, at the end. But the, the first thing I was going to say about being a better writer is reading. Uh, writers are readers. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a Stephen King quote about it, you know, and there were just and in a way, it's such a given that, the, that it's like if you don't want to read, then I don't really know why you want to write. Um, it's kind of a bit of a if, if you don't want to read because you have opinions that you want to t tell people, then uh, then you're not the sort of person who I particularly want to listen to. <laughs> um, so um, I think there's a whole thing about reading. Do you think people realize the importance of reading dave i don't think because uh obviously because tv is such a, a visual medium and so um you know certainly uh in terms of um i i would i would say have a general kind of overall uh thing of, of i put inverted commas around reading and i would mm. actually say um you know because when I, I wrote my novel uh last year and i i sort of I, I spent a year and a half before that probably reading more novels than I'd read in the previous 20 and so that yeah. that was absolute research for that but uh in terms of when I'm preparing now if I want to write if I've got 
if I'm if I'm in TV sitcom writing mode, then uh, I'll watch a lot of sitcoms. I'll watch those sitcoms, but I will I'll I'll read them in the sense that I'll be kind of mentally making notes. I'll read the scripts. I'll I'll be, you know, it, it, it's I. It's the impartation of that knowledge, but I, I, I certainly think the point you're making as well that to be, you know, to 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 have opinions, to have a voice, you obviously yeah. need to know what people are saying, who you disagree with, as much as who yeah. kind of, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, tick all your prejudice boxes. So from that point of view, yeah, I always think people should read more. Yeah, because it also it's one of those things where you don't know. Well, a what you don't know but you don't know what you might need to know and so you just want to be reading i think as broadly as you can it's partly uh, getting out of your echo chamber uh, which i think is really important just as a human being but beyond that if you're going to write well you need to write voices and characters that you fundamentally disagree with or that you half agree with um and you're writing about people's life experiences that you don't yeah. share how could you possibly share someone's life experiences but you can mm. If you've read novels uh, around that kind of area of life, you can, you know, if you've read fiction, nonfiction, if you've watched documentaries or, you know, we can talk about that sort of stuff as well. But I think fundamentally reading is 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 healthy fuel for not just learning good form and good writing, but also learning how people think, just learning basic facts, learning storylines, thinking of stuff. I just think it just. Yeah. It's filling the tank, isn't it? Yeah, and also uh, slightly a tangent from that, uh, it comes back to a thing uh, we're talking about. You know, writing, uh, write when people say, "Oh, write what you know." Well, you know, that's that's part of the part of the process. But you also you want to find out more. So, and yeah. I had a chapter in my uh, last book about comedy writing called "Write What You Don't Know." So, you know, kind of find out more stuff. But I've I've actually taken it one step further uh, with the new book and it's like write what you didn't even know you knew and uh, I think one of the things right. that's happened with me writing this book is that I found out stuff about myself um that that I didn't know and that right uh, that everybody else saw a classic I, mean, I think we mentioned this last time classic sitcom character uh I thought I was something but everyone else could see that I wasn't that and uh, I've got a whole chapter about that and it, it you know that uh, in addition to finding out more about stuff in the world, you do kind of need to be a little bit honest with yourself about your own weaknesses because you might yeah. you'll find a, a a gold mine of comedy there. Yeah. If you yeah. dare to look under the bonnet of your tortured soul. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I mean, and I, you could throw listening under this as well because, and I've I've done a YouTube video about this on my. Uh, YouTube channel, The Situation Room, and I've kind of thrown it all together. So listening and listening to audiobooks is a way of basically reading when you're not able to just sit and read. Mm. And I and I think again that's something that you just want to make the most of. I mean, there's there's Audible obviously, which is very good. There's also LibriVox, which is a free audiobook service, which is all public domain stuff, and it's all read by people who are enthusiastic about it. Um, so if you want to listen to Treasure Island, there are probably five different audio versions of Treasure Island on LibriVox um, that people have, have read. Um, and so my general encouragement, though, again, is to get out of the echo chamber and rather than just um, listen to podcasts of people talking and saying stuff that you sort of already knew. And I'm aware that doing saying this on a podcast <laughs> is something you want to be very careful yeah. about. But if you listen to politics, for example, there are probably a lot of politics shows that basically reaffirm everything you thought that you knew 
and they're not really telling you anything new and you've got into a habit of listening to them daily. And actually, one thing I did uh, last year was I just deleted my podcast app and started again. Right. Um, and I think there is something in just kind of starting over again and just trying to listen more widely just as you read more widely and not just to podcasts, but also to audiobooks. Yeah. And then, crucially, uh, whenever th- anything strikes you, is make a note. Um you know, there are notebooks, there are note apps, all that kind of stuff. How do you make notes, Dave? When, when something strikes you, you're yeah. washing up, <laughs> your hands are in the sink, you have an idea, what happens? Right. Well, actually, this is, um, this is actually, again, partly to sort of um, what's happened since I started writing this book and what's happened in the last year or so. I've become, uh, I, I have become a born-again uh, writer with pen and pencil. And um, right. so I always, I, I've got about four notebooks on the go at any, at any point. But then I've also got a thing, and this is the thing I picked up from one of these books about trying to be more efficient in your life. Mm. Um, the book, I mentioned this a couple of times here, called uh, Getting Things Done uh, by David Allen, no relation to the great Dave Allen, of course. Um, no. But anyway, one of the great things he says, as soon as you get an idea, and I've, I've got a big pile of paper in the office, and you just write it on a sheet of paper, and you stick, yeah. you stick it in whatever your this week's boxes and at the end of this week you'll see ah that's an idea that idea goes into the this is a good idea for a radio sitcom pile or oh this is a a sentence for the next novel um and in fact i even mentioned uh something that i wrote down which was just um uh it's uh it's not womad it's uh, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy at the rainbow in finsbury park uh which will not mean anything to anyone else but me <laughs> but right. uh that was the most important light bulb moment thought i'd had about a plot point in what in a novel i haven't even started writing yet uh, i just yeah. uh, i was so excited i wrote it i just took the rest of the day off because i just it was such a kind of great moment for me but luckily right. i mean i know that say two or three years ago i would have probably had that thought and and it would have kind of hovered around somewhere but i wrote it down straight away and it was like oh yeah i've got that on a piece of paper now i don't have to worry about yeah. that again and i know where it's filed yeah so yeah you really need to write. make it a habit yeah and mm. and i think it's because because a blank sheet of paper is it's hard to fill if you've just got nothing but it's very easy to fill if you've just got a list of 200 things that you've written over the last um, 10, you know, 10 months. You've just accrued bits and pieces of information and, and half of it will be immediately useless for the task that you're doing. But some of it will actually be helpful, stimulating. Um, and you've got four notebooks. Are they, yeah. Do they each have a different purpose or is it just like if you have four, then there's bound to be one close to hand. This is, a, this is a relatively new development. And again, this is something that I, I've, I've started to do, which is because I'm aware that I'm not spending enough time writing. And I, I try and write uh, free form 40 minutes every morning before I do anything else. So I've got, uh, I've got two blogs at the moment. I've got, I've got my own blog about comedy writing, um, which, which I sort of started up again this year. I'm starting a new blog related to my novel, and that's going to be two a week. So I've been doing that catch up. But I've also been, uh, so those are sort of two separate ones. But I've also got one that's about the kind of try, trying to kind of make myself more efficient and uh, the, the process, my processes of working. For instance, James, you'll be interested to know that I, I have a New Year's resolution that I am trying to conquer my fear and hatred of technology. And 
um, already today during this. How's that going? Yeah, already during this podcast, I've uh, I've had complete microphone disasters, but um, that that's by the by. But but I am. I'm really. I'm just thinking. I can't do this anymore. I can't uh, approach uh, podcasts and uh, loading books because I'm going to be self-publishing a lot of books this year. I can't yeah. approach technology now with with fear and trepidation. I have to steam in like a ninja warrior and just say, right, what's next? I know. I've got to upload my book uh, onto Amazon yeah. KDP. Um, which is what I'm doing now. And uh, yeah. if you can't get my book for free after this podcast, um, that's because technology will have flawed me again. Um, but uh, that's what so I'm that, doing. So that tells a story. But there'll, yeah. be, there'll be links in the show notes. Um, I mean, I tend to... I do have lots of notebooks on the go. By the way, uh, uh, TK... Not TK Maxx. Uh, yes, TK Maxx uh, uh, do sell um, moleskin notebooks. Mm. Uh, and sometimes very cheap and i really like them obviously and I, but i'm never prepared to pay 15 20 quid for them yeah so um uh, so get a nice notebook but then sometimes you get a notebook that's so nice you don't want to write in it <laughs> but you know so don't get a really nice one yeah um i use the notes app on um on my iphone uh, so the yellow notes thing and i just kind of start a new note and i've got start and the, the reason i use that is because it's it's already there on my ipad as well and it's on my desktop and it's just it's just everywhere and then it's searchable as well so if i need to find the idea then it's there not that i ever remember the idea to find it but it, it just increases the chances that it's not going to get uh, lost or stolen or waterlogged or, or yeah like if i could just add one more thing about this because this comes on to the next uh, a, another issue which is about technology and the way that we do spend so much time on our screens whether it's uh, laptops or, yeah. or phones or whatever and uh, one of the reasons that i really like writing with pen and paper is because it it, it really does take you away from your screen and, and it forces you are forced to sit there and scroll with this pen and you're, you're doing it's a, it's a physical act it's much mm. more of a physical act than sitting at your laptop and writing because there are so you just know there are all these distractions around you plus you're only yeah. using like the tips of your fingers but actually physically writing it's you know it's like it's like cutting vegetables it's like gardening it's it, it's a it's it, it's a physical process that yeah. you do and and it puts you back in touch with with the words and it's also it, it it stops your brain doing or your mind doing what your mind often does when you're sitting there writing which is going oh come on you're not good enough to write this you know you, yeah. you know there's, there's there's uh there's a, there aren't there enough bloody people out there writing sitcoms or whatever and it's just you're sitting there and you and even if you're sitting there writing i don't know what i'm want to write about now you know that yeah. that's filling the blank page it's sort it's sort of kick-starting you in a way that you probably wouldn't do when you're kind of typing on a on a screen yeah yeah no it's helpful i mean in general three three words for 2021 turn off notifications <laughs> yeah um so I, I now try to have a separate area in my office and i try to sit at it in the mornings and it's got a good view and it's got my old not very good computer and i i sort of first thing i do i do check my email and then i shut the email app um, I don't have my phone in with me in the mornings as well. I won't answer it. Um, and I mean, nobody phones me. That makes my life slightly easier. Um, but um, but yeah, you need to develop that habit. And the the one thing that I'm kind of really pushing this time round as well, when I help hopefully help people think about this, lots of people are failing 
to write you know we talked about people who haven't hit their new year's resolutions and it's just worth thinking you know why why have you not succeeded in that you know and how are you going to increase your chances of making a habit of writing because if you can write for half an hour a day three days a week that's actually not bad over the course of 52 weeks you're, you're probably going to get much more done than you think especially if you can then add a couple of hours on a Saturday or something like that, you might be able to, and in a way, one thing you need to do is probably decide to do less of something else. Uh, so you might need to kind of be a bit stricter about, well, I'm no longer going to do this in order that I do the other thing. But I think the other thing that you, it's worth doing if you haven't already, the, un, unless you're living alone, in which case you need to find out a virtual way of doing this, is you do need to tell someone that you're going to write. Um, and so if you're busy and you're locked down, particularly there are kids around or there are housemates around or something. If you say to them on Monday, Wednesday and Thursday between 7 p.m. and 8 p.m., I would like to write. So could you please not do the following things or I will be in this room here and therefore this or that. Or I would like to unplug the Internet for them to that work or whatever it is you want to do. But if you tell someone that you're going to do it, then they can actually help you and get out of the way. And that also emotionally puts you on the hook to make the most of the fact that they're yeah. now accommodating your desire to spend more time writing. Mm. So I think you kind of need to do it a little bit collaboratively. Whereas if it becomes a secret private passion, then and nobody knows about it, then then nobody's going to find out that you haven't actually done anything. So I think you maybe need to. You don't have to show anybody what you've written. But actually, the people in your life who know you want to write, they probably really want to help you and support you. And what they don't know is that the most helpful and supportive thing they can do is shut up and go away and leave you alone. Um, and once you've told them that that's what you need them to do, then they'll do that. And then you then have to fulfill yeah. your side of the bargain yeah. and actually write something. Well, that, that is so, be, being accountable to someone, I think, uh, yeah. is, is the difference between uh, establishing a habit and, and, and not doing. If you actually say, now I am... Uh, uh, I, you know, I'm going. I'm doing this uh, hour a day, hour three hours a, a week, or whatever it is. Um, so you know, I am writing. I'm going to be writing, and um, you know, so I need you to help me in that way. But I also, uh, you maybe even don't have to say so much, say it in as many words. But I'm kind of expecting you to hold me to account on this. Yeah. You know, you. I'm. I'm expecting you to uh, accommodate me in this way. You in exchange will want to know that I have been using that time well and I haven't been locking myself away and uh, playing Minecraft yeah. or whatever for, for 40 minutes of the hour um, yeah. or answering emails or getting annoyed with someone on Twitter. So, um, you know, you, you, have, you have to be accountable to that person. Um, and, um, you know, that, that's, I think that's a very important uh, factor yeah. when you're trying to establish a new habit. Yeah, I mean, it's, if you can do it alone and not tell anyone, then great. But that's a very rare quality to have, um, mm. and it's not—it's it, not intrinsically praiseworthy or commendable to have. It just means that you can do it. Uh, but most normal people, you know, will kind of need to tell someone and, and get some support, even though there's sort of nothing people can do other than just sort of make your life slightly easier during those periods. But you know, you could ask them. <clears throat> yeah. Um, a couple of other things I've got to do because we we should probably wrap up fairly soon. Um, one of my big controversial pieces of advice is is called ditching, which is, you know, that thing that you've been working on for ages, bin it. And I'm only going to tell you that because everyone else will 
be supporting you and saying, hey, finish it, finish it. Um, but it is well worth thinking that there's this idea that you've been sort of um, kind of noodling around with for the last three, four, five years. And actually, it's probably past its sell-by date and it doesn't make you excited. And one of the reasons that you don't want to sit down and write it is because it feels like homework because you don't actually like the idea very much. Um, so actually, you probably maybe need to rekindle uh, and have a, just have a, have a brand new idea or pick up a different idea. Um, and try that, and that might be exciting. Um, yeah, I, th- I only have it. My only caveat to that, Dave, before um, I turn to you, is if you're the sort of person that keeps doing that and never finishes anything, then make this the year that you actually finish something and make it really, really good. Yeah. But generally, I would just consider what's that one big project that makes you slightly sigh and doesn't make you excited? In which case, give it the Marie Kondo, hold it. Does it bring you joy? If not, bin it say thank you and move on and if you end up rummaging through your bins three months later looking for that idea because it had something after all well that's fine that's great it's kind of earned its place back on your slate as it were yeah but overall consider just the control alt delete option uh on, on that idea is think, that is that unhelpful Dave? no i think that's right and again it's something i talk a little bit about in my book but actually just on the big base of what you've said and i can't remember if i said this in the book as well but there's, there's uh there's always a danger with with and, and and when we start out we always we 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 have a thing that we love that's the thing that we're pushing and um as I mentioned in the last podcast, I am I am a starting out writer. I'm I'm an unpublished novelist. Um, I've got a little bit of an advantage over other people, and I you know I've, I've kind of know how how to write and I know the business. But in terms of being a novelist, I'm just back at the beginning. I'm I'm back where mm. you are wanting to be a comedy writer. Um, and I've got this one project that I love, and you know my heart is set on it, and I'm bringing it out this year. Um, but th- th- there is always a danger when you put yourself under that pressure. I think as well when you've got this one thing that is the thing, and um, so so one of the things that was important to me was as soon as I finished writing that novel, is that I've been I'm working on on the next one because I. Mm. I I want to feel I want to be a novelist, uh, which is a different thing from saying I wanted to write that last story more than anything else in the world, which I did at the time. And, you know, Mm. you do want to do that, but you have to be aware that, you you, you know, you don't want to just put yourself under so much pressure that I've got to write this story. And if I don't write this story and that's it, you know, I'm never going to become a writer. But actually, if you ditch it or you just put it to one side for a moment and just think, okay let me write it when I'm not putting myself under so much pressure. What else do I want to write? Do I want mm. to write just that story and nothing else? Or are there other things I want to write? And that's, yeah. that, and that's when you start to be a bit honest with yourself. And actually, uh, and again, one of the things I talk about, you know, why do you want to write? And it doesn't matter if the reason that you want to write is, I want to be famous, I want to be as rich as J.K. Rowling. I mean, whatever, whatever reason you have, it doesn't matter so much, but it is... Do you want to write? Do you want to get up every morning and work for a living as a writer and get paid for it and come down the next day and do that as well? And that's, you know, which 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 I do. And uh, I love mm. that. And uh, uh, it's what I've been able to do in the last year or so is actually sort of try and carve out the time. So I am actually doing that at the yeah. same time as uh, being able to sort of uh, make a living through doing other things as well. Yeah. And then my final thought really would be just planning 
and making a plan. And it may be that you need to set yourself a deadline of I want a script done by this date. And then you need to then work backwards from that date. And I think, again, I'd go into it more in the video course. But um, in order to write the script, you need a scene by scene, um, unless you're Carla Lane and a genius. Um, but assuming you're a normal writer, you need an outline. Uh, and that's going to take you a long time. Um, and then in order to get an outline, you need to have had lots of ideas to pick the best story that you then develop. That's going to take a long time too. And you also need some characters and stuff. So this is going to take you months um, rather than days. So you kind of need to have a plan to say, okay, I want, by the 1st of June, I would like a sitcom script. In which case you go, well, okay, you better start now then. Um, or the 1st of September or uh, whatever it's going to be. I don't know what the deadlines are for various competitions this year, but you might need to pick a date and stick to it. But then work back from that date to say, okay, I need a first draft by then. I need to have had a scene by scene done by then. And therefore I need, and you just sort of keep coming back. Um, and so, and then actually that kind of takes the pressure off because you've got these various stages and these mini deadlines to try and hit yeah. rather than just kind of putting it off, um, you know, like the school essay that you then write. But you, you can't write a script like a last minute essay for your A-levels or for your degree, um, you know, because that's sort of, 1800 words and it's just one thought and it's one essay but a script has got so many moving parts to it uh that you can't just sort of you know rush it um as i say unless you're a genius in which case you'll probably not listen to this podcast but for the rest of us you need a plan set a date work back from there that would be my advice yeah and one of the things we're hoping to do with uh, the uh, patreon site actually is uh, we're, we're kind of uh, trying to adopt a, a sort of more business-like approach, I think, to your your mm. career, to your writing. And uh, I think one of the reasons that you have to do this is because it does help you to uh, take take away from the kind of the emotional uh, baggage that we all put in as writers, uh, and that that is something that that can be kind of quite can get in the way of the sort of rationality of like well mm. i do if you want to be a writer you know it's the same as if you whatever you want to do you need you know you need to have a plan you need to really plan yeah. it and not just you need to be able to plan that script you're writing for that competition i mean we don't yeah. know what any of the dates for the next competitions are they're all they're all in flux at the moment um but you need to be able to be in a situation where suddenly the bbc announced something like they did suddenly last december oh uh, we're accepting comedy drama scripts, uh, which which they, they the window is closed for that now. But that was like that just came out of nowhere, really. And you have yeah. to be able to, you have to have some sort of flexibility in your uh, ideas of wanting to be a writer to be able to to go. Oh, okay, uh, I'm ready. I'm I, you know I've planned. I I put enough planning mm. in that the thing that I was working on that so you know well that that's going to have to wait because I've now got yeah. five six weeks suddenly to write a comedy drama and so yeah. you know that that um that that, yeah. that involves planning and and, yeah. and that's what business. i did this year uh, sorry in 2020 i started writing a novel and then i had an opportunity to write for uh, a murder mystery on the tv and so i just stopped writing the novel and just threw everything at this opportunity i wasn't commissioned initially and i just kind of went for it um, because it, it looked like it was a much better opportunity so you, you need lots of ideas in different states so that's why you need more than one idea, which is why you might want to, you know, ditch something and start again. But make a plan. We need to be business like because, as we have said, this is a business of rejection 
and, and waste. waste. Yeah, and we will t- uh, we'll talk about that in more detail probably in in future episodes. But uh, oh yes, but, um, it's never going to go away. Just to let you know uh, that um, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, my book is out there. It's called uh, if, if Only I Had the Time. Um, but it's uh, and it's a very short book, about fifteen thousand words, and it's about you know kind of f- being a getting breaking through this sort of uh, emotional uh, baggage that you carry to, to to force yourself to be more of a writer, um, yeah. and actually for the time being it's free and it's a, it's only available Ooh. as a Kindle book. Uh, it's absolutely free of charge. Um, if you go to um, Amazon, Dave Cohen, if only I have the time, you'll 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 find it there. Um, but I will be charging for it probably um, beginning of February or something. So uh, get it now, so, yeah. please. Act now. Yeah. Um, my video course called Writing Your Sitcom is not free. Uh, um, uh, far from it. But Good. if you listen to the podcast and you use the Sitcom Geeks uh, name as a coupon code, so Sitcom Geeks in capital letters, you get 20% off uh, the course. And what the course gets you is access to 12 lessons. I've kind of broken the process of writing a sitcom down into 12 steps. I don't say 12 easy steps because none of the steps are easy um, because uh, of the rejection and waste. Um, but hopefully I've made it a bit less complicated and in particular really help people focus on, on the story because that is usually the biggest problem. So that discount code lasts till the 3rd of February um, 2021. But also if you join us on Patreon, you get a better discount. Uh, you get 30% off. So why don't you go and investigate uh, our Patreon site? If you Google Sitcom Geeks Patreon, you'll get more and also updates about all the stuff that we're doing. And uh, also, you know, free copies of books that we've done in the past and also a bit of a community. Um, so it feels like you're not doing this on your own. Plus, you get an extra podcast uh, a month because we do a Q&A Zoom chat with anybody who is uh, on the Patreon. You can ask us your questions directly and then we turn that into a podcast, which Patreon listeners get. So if you're not sick of the sound of our voices by now, then you can get get an extra podcast if you join us on Patreon. Great. Well, I think Please that's do. the end of the show, Dave. Yep. That's right. And uh, th- thanks very much for listening. And um, thank you to uh, comedy.co.uk for, for hosting uh, the podcast as well. And uh, Happy mm-hmm. New Year to them. And uh, yeah, so look forward to talking to you again in a couple of weeks. Cheerio. Bye.